For the Athletic Podcast Network, this is The Update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Bonte Hill, the pre- and post-game host for NBC Sports Bay Area's Golden State Warrior coverage about the Warriors eliminating the Denver Nuggets and moving on to the Western Conference semifinal. Which team in the West poses the biggest threat to the Warriors' championship hopes, and what adjustments will they have to make with guys like Jordan Poole, Gary Payton II, and even that small ball starting lineup as they move into the second round? All things we can talk about with Bonte Hill, who joins me next. Today is Friday, April 29th. It's a pleasure to welcome back to the podcast, Bonte Hill. You hear him every morning on 95.7 The Game's Morning Roast from 6 to 9 a.m., also pre- and post-game for the Warriors on NBC Sports Bay Area. And, Bonte, you're a, your season is extended, man. I know it's the, the tiring part of the year, but Warriors into the second round for the – well, it's their first series win since the uh, conference final in 2019, man. Pretty successful round one, I'd say. Yeah, I'd say so. Five games. You took care of Denver. You don't have to travel back to Denver for game number six. and. Look, man, I, I'm still in basketball mode. I know baseball season has started and the Giants are off to a hot start, but I'm not ready for basketball to go away quite yet. So I'm happy they're extended. Now let's see if they can get to the conference finals because round two, whoever they play, especially if it's Memphis, it's going to be a lot more grueling and a lot more physical. But so far, so good dealing with the Joker, Nikola Jokic and company and dispatching them in five games. A lot of good, some bad, but overall, when you win a series in five, I, I think you take that. Let me ask you this thing, because you just mentioned Memphis and, and Minnesota, who play a couple of games. There's actually three game sixes from Thursday night. Uh, who poses, not between those two teams, but in the Western Conference playoff picture, what's the one team you look at and you say that team poses the biggest threat to the Warriors? This is going to surprise you, but I'm going to say the Dallas Mavericks, because Luka Doncic, all right, he controls the pace. He may arguably be the best player on the floor, even with Stephen Curry. I mean, a lot of people debate that Luka's that good. And dribble drive penetration has been a problem for the Warriors all season long. They'll get tested in that next round, whether it's against Minnesota, whether it's against Memphis, because they have wings and guards who can get to the basket at will, and they're explosive. And the Warriors have had trouble dealing with that. They didn't have to do so so much against Denver because, obviously, Paul Murray was out. Monty Morris is not that type of guy. He's more of a spot-up shooter. We know Aaron Gordon has his limitations, and Will Barton is the one guy who may get to the cup and try to blow by people in Bones Highland, who's a rookie. He's just not experienced enough. So I look at the Mavericks because when the Warriors go small, they're the one team that can match that small ball lineup. Dwight Powell's a great small ball five center. And he can grab rebounds. He can check Draymond Green. Jalen Brunson is going to get paid this offseason. Is playing out of his mind. And Dallas Mavericks, man, Jason Kidd and company, they do some things defensively that really fluster to go to state Warriors. Now, they haven't faced this version of Jordan Poole, and they haven't faced this version of Klay Thompson. But I'm going to say, because I like the Phoenix matchup, believe it or not. I like that matchup for the Golden State Warriors. It'd be tough, a six or seven game series. But I think Dallas would pose the biggest threat, honestly, to the Golden State Warriors. And you definitely, when you're talking Phoenix, you got to think about the health of them as well. Uh, they've got the uh, the game six, of course, on Thursday night themselves, but they've had a tough time in the first round against uh, New Orleans. So you're right, that's that's not a bad call, I think, on Dallas because that's a team definitely. When we were talking coming down the stretch for seeding for the Warriors, you you wanted to avoid them. You didn't want to have to play them in the first round. And so I think I think everything you said, especially about Dwight Powell matching up as the the small ball center, could be a good fit. They did go on Thursday night, excuse me, Wednesday night with the uh, the small ball starting lineup for the first time. And a lot of times we make it, you know, a big 
big story or, or big noise about the starting lineup. It's really about who finishes the game. So they go with that small ball lineup, but then at the end of the game, it wasn't Jordan Poole who did struggle in the last couple of games. It was Gary Payton the second. What do you think of uh, of Steve Kerr mixing up the rotation there at the end? You see Gary Payton for almost all of the last 15 minutes of the game. Did a great job defensively. I thought on Bones Highland, he also did a nice job on Monty Morris. Both of those guys were kind of a problem in game four. What do you think of the insertion of Gary Payton the second into the closing lineup on Wednesday? Well, for all the naysayers who say Steve Kerr can't make adjustments, I hope they watch that game closely. Said, oh, wow, Steve Kerr made the biggest adjustment in the game. Not only did he make it at the beginning when he didn't start Kavon Lodi, he went to the small ball five, but take it out, Jordan Poole, as you mentioned, who's been on a heater since March 1st. Look, Gary Payton II can pick up full court, and if they do play Memphis, he's going to be key and obviously vital defending John Morant. I mean, Gary Payton II, what a godsend, right? First of all, not even making the team. Draymond and Seth wanted Avery Bradley. That didn't work out, so they bring back Gary Payton the second, and he's been invaluable for this roster because he can defend point guards and pick up 94 feet, and he gets up, man. Like, he plays that dunker spot on offense where he could finish at the cup. I mean, 10 points in that fourth quarter, 4-4, four, four, the big threes there, two threes, the first one to give him a two-point lead, 86-84, and then, of course, the dagger to give him a five-point lead with just under a minute left. I mean, it was big time at Gary Payton the second, so I love what Steve Kerr did. He felt that Jordan Poole didn't have it. Jordan Poole's getting banged around a lot in that game. It was a little physical, and he's got to adjust to that in the postseason. I think he will for the next round, and the rest is going to be good for him over these next couple days. But I thought it was a genius move by Steve Kerr to roll with the hot end, roll with the guys who got you back in the game. And you know what? With the way Denver was getting to the cup, the way they were being physical, why not bring in Young Glove to match their physicality? So I thought it was a genius move. By Steve Kerr and that cozy staff, the role with them. He also mixed in some model Porter Jr. You saw Wiggins only play 25 minutes. So I thought Steve Kerr was in his bag, and he did what he had to do to win a game five. They helped this team win a game five, a closeout game, which are never easy. So going to Gary Payton the second, seeing Gary Payton the second, nail a couple threes and play lockdown defense, man, that was big time. And I'm so happy for that guy, for the journey he's been on. So credit to Steve Kerr, credit to Gary Payton the second. Make Steve Kerr look like a genius. I'm going to assume Nikola Jokic wins the MVP this year. I don't think that's a bad assumption. It's here, Joel Embiid, and I think it would be robbery if Jokic doesn't win it again this year. If he does, in fact, win it, this would be the sixth consecutive year that the league MVP did not make it to the NBA Finals. You'd have to go back to Steph Curry winning the MVP and then going on to win the championship. We've gone six straight years now. Jokic, Jokic, Giannis, Giannis, Harden, and Westbrook. Isn't it funny how in the NBA the talent is so good across the board that even having the MVP, even having the number one guy in the league does not guarantee you that trip. You have to have depth. You have to have a roster built for playoff basketball. And you also have to have some injury luck. I look at the Warriors and I go, yeah, they don't play 12 or 13 or 14 guys every single night. Nothing like that is going on. However, you've got enough depth where you can make those moves. Steve Kerr's got the option to go to a Gary Payton the second when a guy like Jordan Poole doesn't have it. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Like in a couple of those games in the series against Denver, they went 10 deep in the first quarter. <laughs> in the first quarter alone, they went 10 deep. And then you look at game five, and Steve Kerr, outside of Jonathan Kuminga playing about, what, five minutes and 27 seconds, he basically went eight deep. Bielita did not play. He didn't play much of Kuminga. didn't play Juan Toscano Anderson. didn't play Damian Lee. He went basically eight deep. So, yes, they do have the depth. But, man, when it is time to go, you got to go with your guy. So, I, by the way, I'm blown away by that stat. I did not know that. I didn't even think about that. James Harden and all these MVPs not making the NBA Finals. And, look, Westbrook and Jokic didn't even make it out the first round. Like, that's crazy. So, 
you know, and then you have a six seed winning the MVP. I do have an issue with that. Although Jokic, you can look at this situation saying, where would Denver be without him, especially without Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr.? Jokic definitely deserves the MVP. What an absolute baller. And I think he's the best big the Warriors will face on his run. I think they will be better off not playing against him, especially <laughs> if it's against Memphis. Jaron Jackson Jr. is not a post-up guy. He can't do the things Jokic can do, not even close. Brandon Clark is an X-factor for them. I do like Brandon Clark off the bench, instant energy. They're going to need a body for him because he's physical and he's athletic. But, man, Jokic's not dealing with him anymore. Whew, man, he wore everybody out. You just see him. Even Coach, like, in that first half, it was like, man, Jokic is struggling. Maybe he's tired. And then by the end of the third quarter, it's like 18-18-9. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> well, and then you think about you think about what he does, like uh, like mentally for the team. They pull him out in that game four on that final side, uh, the inbound play from the Warriors up the sideline. He knew the play that was coming. He had seen it before. He was like, "Watch over the top. They're gonna lob it over the top." He was calling the play from the bench. So uh, up and down as far as uh, uh, the physicality, as far as what he does offensively, not as much defensively, especially when the Warriors dragged him out of the paint and had him on the perimeter. But what he can do mentally for that team is is uh, uh, maybe as good as any player in the NBA. By the way, back to that MVP. Stat. Check this note out in addition to that. Unless your name is LeBron, Duncan, or Steph, no MVP has won a championship outside of those three going back to the 2001-2002 season. The only other MVP to even make the finals was Kobe, and he ended up losing uh, in that season. So, again, having having the MVP is not the end-all, be-all in the NBA. No, that's wild. You know what? It actually makes sense. I mean, obviously Jordan was winning MVPs, and Karl Malone won a couple MVPs, and at least advanced to the finals now. It's like, you know, you may make the second round and still get that MVP. It's really weird. I mean, we get into the voting process and all that stuff. It feels like it's just all based on narratives now because I do think Embiid deserves MVP consideration. Giannis Antetokounmpo has basically put up the same numbers he has during his two MVP seasons, and nobody's even thinking about voting him for MVP, which is like, <laughs> wait, do we have voter fatigue? Which you can make the case of LeBron James. A lot of people had fatigue with LeBron James. He could have won like seven MVPs. He's obviously the best player in the league for a very long time. So it's all the award stuff. I guarantee Jokic so would love to trade that in for a trip to the NBA Finals. Same as James Harden. Same as Giannis Antetokounmpo. It's about getting that ring and getting to the dance and playing deep into the playoffs. But that's a wild, wild stat right there. I'm going to have to steal that, Coach. Yeah, go ahead. You can use that, man. Uh, it's crazy. I, by the way, I'll, t- I'll tell you this right now. I stole it myself. I didn't do that research. I noticed it somewhere, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to drop this on everybody I talked to today <laughs> before we let you go, Bonte, on Jordan Poole, because he did struggle a little bit the last two games, only had eight points, got into some foul trouble, and did battle through it a little bit in game five. But at, w- when I see the way teams are defending him, it sort of reminds me of the way teams defended Steph and sort of threw him off his block early in his career, where they body him up, they get more physical with him, and obviously Steph has changed his body considerably. He's up to almost two. 200 pounds now, used to play around 190, 191. He's more physical in his upper body. He's obviously a smarter player as well, but it looked to me like the way Denver attacked Jordan Poole in games four and game five was putting bigger bodies on him, kind of knocking him off a little bit. Those slithery drives that he's so good at didn't work quite as well. These are adjustments he's going to have to make into the second round. It's almost as if the other team's saying, we have to absolutely shut down Jordan Poole, so let's throw an Aaron Gordon on him. Let's throw a Desmond Bain on him or Dylan Brooks. We'll see if Dylan Brooks or whoever in Minnesota, Patrick Beverly, or uh, whatever they're, Vanderbilt and Naj Reader, who, who will defend Jordan Poole. Look, he's going to adjust. This is his first playoff run. There's other guys who struggle. Kobe Bryant, we all remember him airballing in his first playoff run against the Utah Jazz. We've seen LeBron James come up short, scoring eight points in the NBA Finals game. We've seen Magic Johnson turn into Tragic Johnson back in the 84 Finals. Struggles <laughs> will happen in the playoffs. 
teams make adjustments, especially when you get to game five, game six, game seven. Teams know the tendencies. They know your moves. So he will adjust. I think he needs some rest. He got banged around a lot in those last three games, the wrist, the forearm. He's wearing a compression sleeve on the left arm. So he will adjust. But that's going to be something we all need to monitor moving forward as you play these bigger wings, these more physical teams. Even Phoenix, who you just brought up, Coach, if they do make the conference finals, you got Mikel Bridges, you got Cam Johnson, you have Jay Crowder, you have Chris Paul, who's a dirty little dog at the point guard spot. They will get into Jordan Poole to try to get into his head. So he'll have to make the adjustment, watch some, watch some film, and just expect that physicality and expect these other teams to counter with bigger guards. You have to guard them with the bigger guard. If you don't, he's going to cook you for 30. It's been a lot of fun, man. The first round of the playoffs, we saw vintage Warrior basketball, and it looks like they're poised for yet another finals run. We'll see what happens into the second round, into the conference final, and, of course, at the NBA finals. Bonte, if they make it that far, we'll catch up again, man. Thanks so much for the time today. Anytime for you, Copes. Great stuff from Bonte Hill. Again, you hear him every weekday morning on 95.7 The Game's Morning Roast. And, of course, pre- and post-game for the entire postseason for the Golden State Warriors into the second round. The conference semifinals, as we mentioned, the first time the Warriors won a playoff series going back to the 2019 Western Conference Final. Of course, on their way to a loss in the finals to the Toronto Raptors could be a different story for the Warriors this year. Thank you to Bonte Hill. Thank you to Brian Smith, my producer. And thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever it is you're listening. Next week, we'll get into a little bit more baseball and, of course, the NFL draft, which went down on Thursday. We'll talk about which teams won, which teams lost, and whether or not Debo Samuel is still a member of the San Francisco 49ers. All things we can talk about in the days and weeks ahead. Until then, enjoy the weekend. We'll talk to you Monday.